Today is 2021, and I'm really excited to start a new year. I think we all have a certain level of excitement um, when that happens, when the, the clock strikes midnight and we get to turn the page. And with the, with the new year comes the chance to reflect on the previous year, uh, to take stock of our lives, to think about where we've been and uh, where we're at in our career or relationships and all of that. And all of us have made resolutions. How many of you have made a resolution in your lifetime? Anybody? Okay. Whether you did one this year or not. And um, one of the resolutions that I want to make with you for our church is the title of our new series for January. It is Spiritual Habits. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about making a resolution for individual habits Because each one of us needs to either start them or grow them. Can I get an amen? So there are spiritual habits like the study of scripture, prayer, fasting, and even community together that sometimes we need to make sure that we're doing the right thing and pushing forward with some discipline. I was thinking about this recently with resolutions, and really what it comes down to is resolutions without action are meaningless, right? They really are meaningless. They're just empty thoughts and words. How many of you have ever known somebody who maybe made a habit of speaking empty words? They didn't fulfill their promises. They kind of always said, oh no, I guarantee you I'll be there or I'll do this or I'll do that and it kind of always fell through. A resolution without action is meaningless, but resolutions accompanied with action, with the proper action, can transform your life. They truly can. And so I know that sometimes there's guilt that we put on ourselves, or maybe even others put on us when we break resolutions Uh, But I want to give you some hope for change that you can actually make a spiritual resolution in this new year. So I was thinking about the resolutions that people make, and they make things about money, about weight, about relocating, about buying a house, whatever it is that they make a resolution about. And if you want to save up for vacation, you've got to start with your next paycheck. Right? You've got to start somewhere. Uh, my wife and I talk about a Christmas club. Do you guys know what those Christmas clubs are that banks have? <laughs> Some of you are like, yep, I use them. Uh, my wife and I talk about them every year. We have still not gotten a Christmas club. We, we just haven't. We don't think about it when we need to, and then we think about it when we wish we did it. If you want to lose some weight, the chances are today you need to eat less lunch, and you need to find yourself outside taking a walk Or going to a gym. That's just how resolutions work. So I was thinking about this. And thinking about one of the other major resolutions. That people make is organization. Like this year I'm going to organize my house. I'm going to get rid of old stuff. I'm going to sell it at a yard sale. I'm going to whatever. But the thing is they never buy bins at Walmart. To organize. Right? And so you've got to have some steps that you make in the right direction. And some of us, and I'm very thankful, some of us have made some spiritual resolutions as well. How many of you ever made a spiritual resolution? 
I know some of you and your spiritual resolutions. I've heard people in our church over the years say, Pastor, I'm commi- I want you to know I am committing this year to actually tithe 10%. Pastor, I want you to know, I want you to be my accountability. I want you to know I am committing to serve in ministry this year. Pastor, I want you to know I've struggled in the past to read my Bible, but this year I got a Bible for Christmas. It's got a reading plan. I'm going to do it. So spiritual resolutions are really helpful as well, and that's what we want to talk about in this series because in order to get more closer to God or more involved in church or give more in all of those things, you've got to take one step in that direction and then start heading that way. Go with me in your Bibles this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 will begin in verse 14. It says this, But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Verse 15, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16 and 17 are our key texts today. It says this, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is a powerful a cornerstone in scripture to think about the fact that all scripture is inspired by God and it brings a profit to it. There are good results when we read it, study it, learn it, memorize it, and apply it in our lives. So I want to challenge you over the next several weeks, each one of these topics that we talk about, to either begin or improve on the spiritual habit of whatever subject we're talking about today, it is reading of the Bible. That spiritual discipline is important. Here at Celebrate Church, we believe that the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament, is inspired by God. Amen? Amen? It's inspired by God, and it's the revelation of God to mankind, to humankind. It is God that has inspired this word to be written down and recorded, preserved for thousands of years. It is infallible. That means it does not have errors, principal errors anywhere in it. And it is the authority for our life, our faith, and the way that we behave. We're training up our children to be like that. We're trying the best we can. And there's even a joke in the house about, you know, something that we criticize on a show that we watch with somebody having a bad attitude. And we'll talk about, well, what Bible verse can we talk about that, that has that value inside of it? Because here's the deal. It really should be the authority and the rule of our faith and our conduct. How we treat one another in our work relationship, how we treat each other in marriage, how we treat those in our community, what we do with our money. All of these things are found in the word of God and it should be the highest authority in your life. God should be. His word is important. Amen. 
I was thinking recently about the priorities of my life. And I guess if I passed the mic around, we'd hear a bunch of similar priorities that come to the surface. But here the, the reality is, for myself, my goal is to always have my priorities as God first, family second, and all the rest. So if I say that, and I say I believe that, then I sure need to be a student of God's word. Amen? So going back to this resolution idea, though, we can't just say that we believe it. We have to actually accompany our belief with action. And if we say we believe that God's word is important, then we'll take time to read it and study it and learn it and memorize it. The world is filled with excuses. There are plenty of excuses. Things like shortness of time or I'm not a morning person or my life schedule just doesn't allow that or I have a new baby or I have an ailing grandparent living with me or I this or I that. We can come up with a million different excuses to put it to the side, but we must discipline ourselves. We've got to read the Bible regularly in order to know what's inside of it. Amen. So I say that as an encouragement to each one of you, not as a criticism thinking, okay, Andrew, I can't believe over this holiday break, you haven't read 32 chapters of the Bible. It's not that at all. It's really an encouragement to grow in the discipline if you already have it or to start it fresh if you haven't been doing it. So I want to say this, that we can support the Bible's legitimacy with historical data. I know there are questions and we could do an entire series about the importance of the Bible just by itself and talk about historical significance, talk about some of the things that people say, well, does the Bible contradict itself? We could talk through all of those things and you are more than welcome to talk to me personally about that stuff. But holistically, I need to make sure that you understand as people who call Celebrate Church home, That the Bible has got to be the center of your spiritual experience. Amen? It really does. It really truly does. When people fall away from the truth of God's word, what ends up happening when they walk away from the regularity of the spiritual habit of reading God's word, what ends up happening is they will find themselves misguided and misled. My brother-in-law, who I love dearly, um, his name is Chad. Him and his family uh, were with us for over the holidays, and uh, Amy's parents were here. And um, I've known Chad longer than I've known his sister, which is my wife, um, just by a few years. And I, I love him to death. Uh, they are church planters up in Denver. They've shared this stage. They've came, they come and speak, spoken here before. Um, and as we were just kind of talking throughout the holidays and stuff, we ended up talking about something that really grabbed my attention. They said that they know a person who served in ministry with them, who's, who was committed with all of her heart to the gospel message. And somewhere along the way, she fell off track. Today, she is no longer inside of a church. Today, she actually no longer believes that God exists And she is all about the higher power herself, she believes, is the higher power. And I think, wow, and you might think the same thought. 
wow, how crazy is that? She must actually be like have a mental issue. No, she has a spiritual issue. And I can near guarantee that it's because of the failure to discipline herself in spiritual habits that she fell so far away. When we give up on seeing the scripture as holy and as an authority for our lives, we end up walking a path which God does not desire for us. So let's do a group exercise right now. You're like, what? It's family Sunday. We've got kids in church. Everybody get a hand free. Okay. You got one hand free. Wiggle your fingers. Show me your hand. Okay. One hand free. Okay. When I count down from three, I'm going to go three, two, one. I'm going to have you point to something all at the same time. And you say, point to what? I'll tell you what to point to. But I want to give this as a demonstration this morning to help you understand this point. Whenever you do point, I want you to keep your hands steady. Don't move it around and try to chase the answer. Okay. Does everybody got it? Say, got it real loud. Got it. Got it. Okay. I want you to point to true north. Three, two, one. Look at the hands beside you. Look at, look at the hands. <laughs> so you made a quick guess about which direction. And you're like, wait, where, how did I get in the parking lot? Where's my car at? Hold your hand there. True north. Okay. So I see uh, some of us are correct. Here's, here's something incredible. It's actually a tool to help you find what is true north. You can put your hands down. And I'm going to see if you know if you are right. As I hold this compass... And move this direction. It actually says that true north. Hold on. It's getting, it's getting weirded out because of the microphone magnet. True north is this direction. So Tim, you were right. Dan, you were right. I think a couple of us were right. Okay. It's not that way. It's not that way. But here's the idea. Behind that is you can actually get lost if you don't have the proper tool. A ship sets sail on the ocean to head from one country or continent to another continent. And they set those bearings inside of the instruments on the ship. They hit waves. There's nothing but ocean out in the middle there. And all they can do is, is fight against it to go in the direction. If they stop checking their instruments, they will find themselves way off course. I've done this for walks in the woods. I don't know if anybody's ever gotten lost. All the trees end up looking the same, okay? Unless you're, unless you're a boy scout or unless you've watched some survival show and you know to tear pieces of cloth off and hang it on a tree to know how to get back or whatever. But it's a scary, terrifying thing when you get lost. The problem is humanity does not understand the concept of their lostness without the truth of the word of God. They need a compass. And so do you. We've got to be in the direction that God wants us to be. And the only true way to do that is to consistently and regularly be reminded of what God's word says about our lives, about him, about who he is, about how bad off we are without him, about what he can do for us and to us and through us. Over the last few months, I've made some changes um, in my life with diet and exercise. It has not been easy. 
Uh, it's a challenge, especially around the holidays. And I found myself stuffing my face with things that were not within the boundaries of what I should. Maybe some of you understand that. I started to, I've, I've been listening to some motivational things from time to time to like help me kick in high gear when it comes to my physical fitness. And I started to think through some of the points of what they talk about. And I said, you know, this has a spiritual application as well. And I want to share it with you today. It is this, that discipline is greater than motivation. It's a true statement and it's worth thinking about and you could think about it all day and still find some new, fresh truth inside of it. If I waited to be motivated to go to the gym, I'd probably show up to the gym twice a month, three times a month. If I waited to be motivated to read God's word, I may do that same thing. But if I discipline myself and if I go when I don't want to and if I do it when I don't feel like doing it, I have greater results. Can I get an amen? So the point is this. Scripture reading is about the discipline of doing it regularly and consistently. It's not about waiting for that emotional surge to be like, yeah, I can do this. It's about saying, you know what? I'm dedicating myself to learn who God is and to learn who I am and what God says about me and what he can do in me and to me and through me. Discipline has a far greater value Because it mandates consistency. We can't just wait until we're motivated to read God's word. Let me give you this example. When I was a teenager, I went to church camp. How many of you have ever been to church camp? Okay, great. When you came home from church camp, not only did you have a great experience, most of us, 99% of people, um, at church camp, not only did you have a great experience then, but those next few days after you came home from church camp, You were reading your Bible all the time. You were telling people about Jesus all the time. Because you were on an emotional high of motivation, that surge. And then some of us fall off of the horse or off of the wagon, and we slow down in our speed. The same thing is true for right now. We come into a new year, and we say, yes, I'm setting this resolution. I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to gain $10,000. I'm going to read the Bible every day. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. And we go through all of those things, but then the height of emotion starts to ebb and flow back and forth. And if we're not disciplined, we will miss out on the results Read again 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that you may be equipped for every good work. Don't you want to be equipped and complete? For every good work? Man, how horrible is it for you to set out to do a task or a project and realize you don't have your toolbox or the right tools inside the toolbox or the right thing that you need to finish the job? But God, in his mercy, 
And his grace has provided to us this amazing tool for us. Look at what the warning is that the Apostle Peter gives in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary or your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This is a serious warning to believers Our enemy is always seeking someone to devour. Those who are disciplined in reading and studying God's word have a near 0% chance of being devoured by the enemy. Let me give you a couple quick tips today. As we talk about God's word, I want to give you some benefits of what it would be like As you read God's word in 2021. The first is this. God's word leads us to salvation. Many of us come to Christ because we hear someone talking about God. And they've shared the gospel message with us. In the midst of that message. Whether it is their testimony and scripture or not. They share God's truth from his word, and that word brings us to the place of being softened to salvation. The second thing or benefit would be that God's word guides our steps. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen? So if we read it, and here's the catch. You've got to read it, and you've got to do it. The doing part is a little bit more challenging. But if we read it and obey it, God will be sure to show us where to go, what to do, what to say. He'll show us the decisions that need to be made. His word reveals when we're headed in the wrong direction and brings us back. It helps us to understand the consequences of our sins. So God's word guides our steps. The third benefit is God's word directs us or gives us wisdom. The wisdom that comes from God is different than the wisdom that we know from humanity. God is all-knowing. Characteristically, we know this in Scripture. He knows everything. There's nothing for him to be taught because he knows all and is above all. And if he is, then he's the one I need to seek in order to have the wisdom for my life, my decisions, and all the things. I don't trust in Well, there's a Bible verse that says, don't trust in horses or chariots. Some do that, but I trust in the name of the Lord. I don't trust in a fortune cookie. I don't trust in a horoscope. I don't trust in a Ouija board. I don't trust in what Tim tells me. I trust in what God tells me. So this is really, really important. It directs us to wisdom. Listen to what Psalm 119, 130 says. The unfolding of your word gives light to me. And it gives understanding to the simple. Scripture is your protection. It's even mentioned in Ephesians as it describes the armor of God. But scripture is like a shield that's preventing the bad stuff from coming in. It doesn't prevent all things, but it helps us walk in wisdom in the midst of danger and all of these great benefits. 
If we neglect reading and obeying God's word, we won't be able to distinguish between right and wrong. That's the world we are living in today. I thought maybe the previous generation was a little bit cuckoo when they said taking God out of schools was going to make that big of a deal. I thought, really? But now as I've gained a little bit of wisdom and a lot of gray hair in this life, I realize, wow, what a a difference it has made for the country that we live in to be so far off track. The fourth benefit is this. It lifts your burdens. You say, how does a paper book do that? It's because it's inspired by God. When I am experiencing a heartache or stress or anxiety or fear or pain or loneliness or grief or any of these things or sickness, just to name a few burdens we all face, I can consult the word of God and I can immediately feel a lift in my spirit. I can get calibrated to what God wants me to see and do and know rather than just be so narrow-minded and focused on that problem. So when we look at God's word, he can give us help in a time of trouble. Amen? Two more quick benefits and the worship team can make their way up here. The fifth benefit is the God's word actually brings joy. If we love the word of God, it will bring joy and comfort to us. In fact, it says that in Psalm 119, 111, that knowing God's word, hearing God's word, reading God's word brings joy and comfort. So when we are facing tough situations that maybe have zapped our joy, our first response should be going to the word of God. I told you several weeks ago that there have been people throughout my ministry who've come to me and said, Pastor, I got a problem. I need you to tell me, what should I do? I love those conversations because then I say, well, what does God's word say about what you're dealing with? Have you looked at it? Let's look at it together then and let's go forward. Because sometimes we just get to that place where it zaps our joy, the circumstances of life zap our joy, and then we need God's word. And it should be our first response. Don't call your mom, don't call your friend, don't gossip, don't don't work through the problem with others. You've got a source that is beyond all comprehension, that is available to you. It doesn't even require your mouth to speak the words to be able to communicate with the God of heaven. It's awesome when you think about it, how exciting it is. And once we experience how scripture can change our sorrow into joy, our love for the Lord and his word increases. It gets you that that momentary filling of your spirit or lifting of your spirit. And then you think, wow, this was worth it. The sixth benefit is this the scripture gives us peace we are living in a world where there is an absence of peace we talked about this several Sundays ago in my Christmas series that I shared with you we talked about peace not being necessarily the absence of conflict or war but more so that it is the presence of good 
And in the spiritual context, it is the presence of God. The word of God can actually bring you peace. And here's the thing. Peace is the most desired possession in the world. And it can only be found in God. True peace. Listen to what Psalm 119, 165 says. Those who love your law, your word, have great peace. And nothing causes them to stumble. True peace can be found in God's presence and the doorway to his presence is his word. God honors those who are committed to him, who discipline themselves to read his word. It really is your most valuable possession you're spiritually, spiritually speaking, your most valuable possession. But even more than that, because it encompasses all of your life, it really is the highest possession of all. Would you stand with me? The word of God is God's written message to us from Genesis to Revelation. It's him speaking to people then and it still applies to us today. It reveals his mind and his heart. In fact, Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says this, everything will pass away, but the word of the Lord stands forever. The Lord is still on the throne and his word continues to do what he has promised. Amen. I want to challenge you and encourage you to read God's word this week. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? I'll give you a couple of quick, easy resources. Version Bible app, which you can put on your phone. It also has an audio component. Um, my wife loves British uh, accents, so she may want to download the Max McLean one where he reads the Bible in a very deep British accent. There's YouTube videos of it, of people reading the word of God. You say, well, pastor, I don't have time. I'm in the car. I have a long commute. Okay, well, listen to it in the car. But set a smart goal for yourself. If you're going to make this resolution today with us, I don't want you to say, okay, great, fine, pastor. I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. That's a great goal. But if you haven't read the Bible once outside of a Sunday in the last five months, then I don't know if you should try to set that as your goal. Let's start with one book. Start with a devotional. Get a devotional that highlights a few verses in a passage. If you want to study up on some subject in your real life, like human life and human nature, or in the spiritual sense of things, I've got a library full of books on different topics. You can say, hey, pastor, do you have a book on marriage? Yes, I've got plenty. Do you have a book on peace? Yes. Do you have a book on finances? Yes. Any of those things and get the resource and look through this stuff according to God's word. But by all means, start somewhere today. I want you with your eyes open, not closed, because I'm proud of this. And I want to be proud of you. If 
you say, Pastor, I'm committing to read God's word this year. I don't care what the quantity is and that kind of stuff. We can discuss that later. But if you say you are doing that, I want you to raise your hand right now. That's almost all of us. That's a good, proud moment. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not have an empty word, an empty thought resolution that doesn't come to pass. God, I pray for Celebrate Church that we would be people of your word, that we would consult your word before we make decisions in all of our individual lives and collectively together. God, I pray that you would help us to hunger for your word, help us to discipline ourselves, help us not to wait for the moment of motivation But Lord, help us to truly dedicate ourselves to learning more about who you are and what you mean to each one of us. In the mighty, precious, and powerful name of Jesus.